welcome back to another episode of God Build This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 207. Y'all, ever since I've been working a full-time job, I just, I don't know my left from right. I don't know my up from down. I don't know what's diagonal, what's behind me, what's south, what's north, what's like, what is, what is my name again? Everything just feels so discombobulated just mentally for me. Oh, I know I sound so privileged. Oh my gosh, I don't know what a full time, I don't know how to manage my life. <laughs> no, but it's just a lot. Like, I feel like I'm, just, I'm catching up. I feel like I'm catching up on sleep. I'm catching up on my decompression time. And I feel like decompression time is so important for someone who works a full time job, you know? And for someone like me who, on top of that, I have to manage my the pain that I deal with from time to time. Well, chronically, actually, but there are some days where um, I'm relieved. But for the most part, I have to manage around my physical ailments. It's just a lot, man. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna still keep on keeping on. This is not me prepping to quit. <laughs> I'm not going to quit. <laughs> I do want to talk about that real quick. Um, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, oh, whatever. I should, I, you know, it is what it is. I did what I did. You know, I quit, and you know, I, I took that leap of faith, and yada yada yada. And I'm realizing that. I guess because of the background that I have and my upbringing so heavily in church and faith in God that I believe in the God of miracles. I come from that mindset, from that background. I've seen that. I've seen it around me. I've seen it done in other people's lives. You know, I've seen people who were possessed and are no longer. Um, I've seen people who were dead and are, are alive. I know that sounds weird to, to receive, especially if you don't come from the background that I come from. But for example, my aunt, she, I remember growing up, when I was growing up, when I was younger, she, um, one of my aunts, um, she had just, uh, just some health conditions that she was dealing with. And there was a period in time when she was in the hospital for a longer time and it was looking pretty morbid. Um, and there was a time when she actually left, <laughs> like she left this realm. She was in the hospital bed, but she wasn't with us anymore. The doctor couldn't uh, receive a impulse or a heartbeat um she was gone for a few minutes or however long it was but it was a little while um one minute too long actually but it was a few minutes at the very least and she returned and she returned the point of what I'm saying is I remember my cousin just so sad so screaming hysterical of course because her mother was presumably dead and for her to um see that and then see her suddenly come back to life that that is the background that I have when I when I talk about God you know that is the background I have like wow if God could restore your mother's life in the blink of an eye then surely he can restore, you know, these these dreams and goals that I have for myself outside of the classroom or, you know, surely, you know, if I felt convicted to leave the classroom and um, work a new career path, surely he'll provide. <laughs> but, you know, it, it didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest, and I and I think that that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, if you come from the background that I come from, it's a hard pill to swallow that hey, maybe the God of miracles work for you, and it it looks different for me, right? Like I still believe in God, I still believe in His mighty works and all of the, you know the, just the richness of Him, but I think people's experiences with God is not monolithic and 
how I see him and how I receive him may be totally different from how you receive him. So I say all that to say (laughs) the God who restored the life of my aunt (laughs) didn't really do much when I was (laughs) trying to figure out what I wanted to do after I quit classroom teaching. (laughs) Let me not say that. I don't want to get struck down, but... I think, you know, I always look at everything as a lesson and I see it as a purposeful moment because had I not left and like officially quit, I wouldn't have been able to withdraw some money that I had and I wouldn't have been able to use that money and pay off incredible, not incredible, but like some credit card debt that I had that I definitely could have paid off before, but I was under this like mindset of I can't do it. I was feeling very defeated about like particular financial goals. Like, oh, I'm just just never gonna have this type of credit score. I'm just never gonna have this balance for this credit card. I'm just never gonna make that payment on time. Like I always just had that mindset. And I think had I not gone through the process that I went through the past few months, I wouldn't have been able to realize, no, I can manage my money properly. And the lump sum, you know, the large amount that I received definitely helped me to expedite that. And it helped me to finally put away the debt that I was just holding on to as a burden. And it helped me to really feel confident to plan it out. So yes, now that I am back at classroom teaching, I can now look at things from a new perspective. I can now look at the financial goals that I have and see it as a continuum. You know, it's not just a one-stop shop. And I think that was my mindset for so long. It was just like, okay, well, once I get that, you know, I'm done, I'm good, I'm good. When that's not the case, you know, when it comes to finances, it's a continuum. Like you have to continue practicing financial management, right? You have to still practice how to properly sort your finances in a way that is beneficial to your lifestyle, to your, you know, your bills, your management, just all of that. And for some reason, I didn't think of it like that. I was just thinking of it like, okay, once I get enough money for that, then I'm good. When it's like, no, like I have to continue to pay bills. Right, like just saying it out loud sounds funny, but like I really just there was an aha moment that I received the past few months, and I realized no, I have to keep on paying these bills. <laughs> this is so funny to me to say out loud, but that's really I really came to that uh, resolution. Like no, I have to keep on paying this bill, and I have to pay it strategically. Right, I have to make sure I meet the balance and not just like a quarter of an inch of it, right? Um, just, I have to just be smart about it. So now that I have that mindset, I feel like I am in control rather than being controlled by money. And I think I needed to learn this lesson at the salary that I'm at. And mind you, I'm, I'm fine. Like. It's like, I'm not struggling, you know? And I think I I felt like I was struggling because I believed I was, right? Like no one told me I was, right? Like I was still, um, like I was able to meet ends, but like I didn't sort my money in a way that was responsible, right? Like I wasn't sorting it responsibly. So every time when I would get paid, like, I don't know, I I just wasn't doing it in a way, I wasn't just being smart about paying this credit card payment and using the credit card to make my just, you know, daily expenses. Instead, I was using my main card and I'm realizing that that's not beneficial for me. I'm realizing that I need to use my main card. I hope this is making sense to somebody, but for, for okay, for the longest, I was using my main card, like my debit card, as my primary, primary source of, of, um, 
of exchange of money, okay? So whenever I would go out to eat, whenever I would get my hair done, whenever I would get gas, I would primarily use my debit card. Um, and that was the card, that was the account in which I will receive my direct deposit. So that was always the account getting hit. And that, and that was the account where all of my bills will be um, withdrawn from. So think about it like this, like you have one account using, being used for every expense, every bill, withdrawal, everything. So of course you're going to run out of money because you're not spreading the the wealth. Like I wasn't using my credit cards or I, and, and I wasn't using them because I didn't have enough credit left over to use, right? Like I was already over the 30% mark, which is what I've learned is supposed to be you know, the, the the percentile in which you should use your, your credit cards. I was already over that mark, so I barely had enough credit left over anyway, so I didn't wanna keep on using that. Anyway, I wasn't using my main card, my debit card, in a way to pay off my credit card debt. Anyway, I hope this is making sense to somebody. But anyway, I, I figured it out. <laughs> I said that to say I figured it out and that it's not a one-stop shop. Like it's every day. I have to pay bills every day. <laughs> yeah, that is so funny to me. No, no, no. I don't think you understand. Every day. Every day. <laughs> every month. Like it's like it's on it's like clockwork. Every fucking day. funny to me but okay well now that I'm accepting it more um you know it is what it is and it's fine but now I feel more controlled or in control and I feel more at ease and um yeah I just got I just had to just kind of figure it out and I honestly believe had I not quit my my last role at that campus I wouldn't have been able to get to this point because I wouldn't have been able to access the money that I had in order to put myself in this position of being on top of my finances. And now that I am on top of it and now that I have a better management system, um, I feel more confident to move forward in a manner that is most efficient for me. So again, I hope this makes sense to somebody. But why did I bring this up? I brought this up to say, um, you know, God to you may be different, right? Like I think um, for me, I'm realizing that though I do love taking risk, you know, though I do love going out of my comfort zone and, you know, making new relationships and meeting people and making new networks. I'm just talking on some of this like business type of networking, just friendship type of thing. Um, I have to calculate it in a way that is most efficient for me. I have to like calculate it. Like I can't just, and I know I said, I know I, I feel like I'm biting my words, but hey, you know, you grow and you learn and you share. And that is why I have this podcast. But I feel like, you know, I could take that leap of faith of leaving a job to go to a whole new job, right? In a whole new field. But it's wise to leave a job with the security of a new job, right? Like it's the wiser, it's the wise thing to do. And for me, you know, and anyone else who may struggle with anxiety from time to time or more frequently, you know, someone who may struggle with anxiety when it comes to finances and figuring shit out, it's not the wise choice to go out on a limb and not have any calculation of what things will look like. You know, and you're like, it's like I was setting myself up to have an anxiety filled ass summer. <laughs> and though I did my best to focus and, you know, be present and be in the moment and all these things, and I did have a good time for the most part, but 
like I shared with you guys on the podcast, I was struggling a lot emotionally and mentally and like these like nasty thoughts were coming into my mind that I don't want to speak on publicly anymore. But I was feeling very low vibrational to say the least, very low vibrational. And I know one thing about me, like I know I feel all of my emotions but I know when I feel low, it's not good for me. Like, it's really not good for me because the way my mind works, I'm just naturally an overthinker. I'm naturally going to just create scenario after scenario, and I'm gonna think the worst. So if I'm putting myself in a position where there is no solid plan or you know i don't know when's my next check coming and i'm already anxious i'm already you know much of an overthinker that is not helping me at all like i'm only hurting myself and i say this to say if you're someone who is similar to me then maybe quitting a job prior to the security of another job is not the best choice you know and i think you could still take leaps of faith but it could be a calculated leap Right. Like you could calculate like, okay, and the leap of faith could just essentially be, oh, I'm working a whole new career path. That's a leap of faith. But the calculation is I'm not going to leave my current job until I have the security of the new job at this new career path um, set in place for me. You know, and I think because I'm such a rebel you know, um, and I guess being Aquarius, from what I've learned, we're rebels, you know, we're rebels without a cause or maybe with a cause, but we're rebels nonetheless. And I am always that girl. Like, I'm always going to like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. And though I do figure it out and though I, you know, manage it somehow and X, Y and Z, the difficulty could be prevented if I just calculate it, right? Like if I just plan it out more efficiently. And I feel like with me, I am impulsive. I'm an impulsive bitch. Maybe it's OCD. Maybe I have OCD. Maybe it's undiagnosed. But like, I know I am impulsive. I know that once I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And if I'm very emotional about it, right, if I'm upset about something, you piss me off, I'm just going to delete you off my phone or I'm not going to talk to you or I'm going to quit this job or I'm going to cuss this person out. or And it's just like, can I think before I do that, right? Like, can I think before I make this choice? And um, I don't think sometimes. Sometimes I just do. Sometimes I just do it, Nike. And... The reason why I quitted, you know, why I quit the last job was I just reached a breaking point where I kept vocalizing and vocalizing that I wanted to leave the classroom. I wanted to work in these leadership positions. I wanted to, you know, be an AP or, you know, whatever is available that's outside of the classroom. And as much praise as I was receiving for all of my great work in the classroom and the praise that I was receiving for the leadership opportunities that I was obtaining, you know, the the time when I led a professional development session and it went really well, Um, the time when I just, you know, delivered something to staff and it went like all these things and I'm, I'm receiving praise for it. I'm thinking in my mind, okay, they see me the way I want them to see me they're going to be the gatekeeper and open this gate for me into this new leadership position you know and i also had someone who was our, who was our, who is already in a leadership position and she was speaking to me privately it was like how would you feel if you could be the dean of this particular subject and i was really excited and honored that she even thought of me as an option and yet when it was presented to the principal it's just whenever someone says budget as the reason why they can't do it I just look at that as bullshit because y'all got money. Like, can y'all just, you got money though. 
there's money in this school, there's money on this campus, y'all will figure it out. And so I, I just reached a, a breaking point and I felt so frustrated and unseen and unheard. And the one thing that just really pisses me off, it, it could be, like, I don't care about anything else. If you ignore me, if you don't hear me out, if you don't even see me, I'm invisible to you. That is the worst thing you could do to me. You know, I, I just hate when people act like they don't see me, they don't recognize me, they don't hear me, any of that. So I felt that and I was like, I'm fucking done. <laughs> so I left. <laughs> and um, anyway, I'm back at it. I'm back teaching. And I could have returned to the previous campus, but I was also kind of feeling... I think my ego was like super in the way you know like oh and even though I remember prior to me leaving like prior to my last day at that campus I was the principal was like you know you always have a place here if you if you ever want to return there will always be a teaching position for you and you know though that was great I was still upset that she even said that because I was like I told you I don't want to be a teacher I want to you know <laughs> the fuck open something else for me and and that's really how I feel because I've seen examples of people whether on that campus or other campuses in which there was a position created for them <laughs> like there was something created for them and maybe it was just a teaching role but I, there was other positions that I saw um or that I've seen that were just created out of the blue. Oh, here's a director of directors. Like, what? <laughs> and I'm over here still a teacher. Like, and you know, God bless teachers. Like, look, we do a great job. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to shoot this occupation down. It's just, you know, when you're just ready to move on to a new position, you're just ready to move on. So it, it gets frustrating and suffocating when... I'm not heard in that manner. Anyway, so yeah, I'm back at it. <laughs> I'm back to teaching. As you guys know, I'm at a different campus, same organization, same school, but a different campus. And it's different. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think, you know, with this position, well, it's the same position as far as, you know, being a teacher. Um, but I'm teaching two different classes. Um, well, two different grade levels, ninth and 10th. And this is my first time doing that. I've never taught two different grade levels at the same time. And there's double responsibilities for it. Yet I don't have, like there isn't a structure in place supporting me for this double prep that I have to do. Because with two different grade level courses, that's about eight lesson plans to complete weekly and these lesson plans aren't like you know just like surface ass plans no you have to be very detailed you have to include an exemplar you have to just do the fucking most and like if that's the case <sighs> oh excuse me sorry if that's the case, let me have a day off. <laughs> you know, like let me have an extra day off so I could complete these deliverables. You know, let me like figure out a schedule in which there's something in place that will allow me to complete it in a manner that is most efficient. You know, and you know, maybe I'll get to it, you know, somehow one way or another, but it's just another learning curve that I have to figure it out. And, you know, I'll I'll get there. I just, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, just being at a new campus, it also comes with just a newness of how things are done or not done. There is, is totally different from my previous campus. Totally different. Um, and I don't want to say too, too much because... I mean, whatever. I, I don't say too much. But the point is, it's totally different. So there's a lot of adjusting that has to be done as far as just how things are ran. And there's a lot of newness into it because there's a lot of new people in different positions. So it's like everyone's starting from scratch, essentially. And, you know, when I, I came to it with that understanding, 
Um, and I saw it as an opportunity because of how structured my background is and coming from my previous campus. I could take what I've learned and demonstrated in that previous role into this current role and use that accordingly. But it's just definitely some just... Ugh, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. But anyway, I have decided several days ago to shift my perspective. And, you know, now that I am realizing that I have to pay bills every day, <laughs> I will laugh every time I say that because that shit is funny. It really is. But re- like now that I realize, oh, no, every day I have to pay bills. Like there's a bill every day. Maybe not every day. I'm being, you know, dramatic. But every other day, <laughs> you know, every four days, there's something. Oh, here's another withdrawal. Here's another this, here's another that. And it's to the point where, you know, I've written out all of my monthly, um, you know, bills and, you know, the payments that I have to make and feeling good about that. Um, So I feel ahead of the curve. And I already had that mentally, but writing it down made me feel more of an adult and it made me feel more comfortable with facing it. And for the longest, I've been afraid of facing finances. Like it was just always a scary point for me. And I feel like I'm still working through that. It takes baby steps, but I know that I've come so far. So I'm proud of myself. Anyway, so with that perspective of I gotta pay bills, you know, (laughs) I am grateful. Yes, I'm grateful because, you know, there are a lot of perks with this job. Um, And I also look at like this, there's teachers in different parts of this country, right? Who don't have the type of salary that I have. And I don't want to be, you know, frank about my salary because that's crass. I always feel like uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. Because, you know, everyone is at a different scale um, wherever they are in their life and whatever. But, you know, sometimes with money and salary, people attach their identity and their self-worth to it. So I just don't like to share that particular detail because I don't want to trigger that because I know that has been a trigger for me so that's why I don't like to be like oh I, I get paid this amount you know this amount and I just was raised that way like you don't ask people or you don't go about and saying oh I'm making 80,000 like I don't know you just don't say that because the next person could be making 40,000 and then you're speaking so loudly about how much you're making 80,000 while the next person is feeling super insecure about and you know them feeling insecure of course that's their problem right it's really not your problem I just think it's common courtesy like no one really needs to know how much you make and honestly the the one who can make the most in the room or the one who is making the most in the room may not even quote unquote appear as if they are right so like you never could know and this idea or this stereotype that you know, teachers are getting paid, you know, just below the poverty line is is ridiculous. It really, that's not my experience, okay? That's not my experience. I def, definitely not at this stage in my life. Like, I remember when I was in my earlier stages of career in which I wasn't the lead teacher. I was like somewhat of a teacher aide. It was equivalent to a teacher's aide. It was called a, a teacher's fellow or a fellow. Um, yeah, that was definitely like below poverty line. <laughs> but it came with the it came with um the opportunity to get my master's degree. So all of that worked hand in hand. But the point of what I'm saying is, um what was I saying? I forgot. What was I saying? Um anyway, money, da 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 da. Oh, yeah, so in other parts of the country, okay, so I'm in this, uh, you know, Reddit. Shout out to Reddit. At this point, Reddit better sponsor me at some point because, my goodness, I am an avid user on Reddit.com. But there's, so Reddit, there's different channels you could be a part of in, in this community. And one of the channels that I'm a part of is teachers, as well as career change. There's another channel that I'm a part of called Anti-Work. Like, <laughs> I'm a part of a lot of different things. <laughs> I just like to see what people are saying. I like to see if anyone else feels the same way. I like to just read other people's experiences, be a part of conversations, look for advice, look for inspiration. Like, it's pretty it's pretty comforting. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. So shout out to Reddit. But anyway, on the Teachers channel, um, 
there was this particular teacher who is, well, he's a band director. And, you know, technically he's still an educator. And uh, he was able to, before he became a band director, he was the band leader. He was was something. Anyway, he was the band director, one of the top ones at the district, if not the top one at the district. Yet he was getting paid low, like not enough at all, not enough at all. And... And I don't. I won't say the money. I don't want to say the amount. But it was. It was low. It was low. And I'm like, how come he's getting paid so low? That doesn't make any sense to me. So I asked him. I'm like, if you don't mind sharing, where do you live? You know, because that plays a factor. And he said he lives in rural Ohio. And I didn't think Ohio would be a place where. Oh man, teachers are getting paid dirt. Dirt. But I guess, you know, when you're in rural areas in the country, and this is specific to America, because I've learned that in other countries, you know, other continents overall, they pay teachers way more than you would expect. And it, it doesn't matter what year teacher you are. You could be the first year teacher and you're making X amount. But anyway, he was making super low, super low amount in his salary. And when he answered my question and said that he's in rural Ohio, I was like, aha, that's it. You know, you have to consider the cost of living and how, you know, maybe in Ohio, in that specific area, the cost of living may be very dirt cheap, yet maybe he is realizing he wants more than that, you know, despite him living a low cost to living lifestyle. He probably still just wants to make much more than what he was making. And so he eventually left the field and he's making like four times more than he was, X, Y, and Z. Anyway, I say all that to say, you know, not all teachers are making the same amount. And it really depends on what state you're in what area in the state that you're in you know if you're living in a high cost to living city or state overall you're likely to be making a reasonable decent amount of of money from classroom teaching so it's not this stereotype of thirty thousand dollars you know like i remember people used to say oh man you make i'm sure you don't make enough money i'm sure like i don't make twenty five thousand dollars a year and you know this is again i I don't like to say numbers but i just wanted to say that example real quick because that was a stereotype for such a long time oh you make twenty five thousand thirty like no like there are teachers making eighty thousand seventy thousand teachers making that and then you know when you move into leadership positions you have opportunities to make you know, 80 and and beyond. So anyway, um, so me shifting my perspective has been relieving and it has me also just feeling grateful, right? Because, you know, not only am I making a good amount, I'm also indulging in the perks of it all. I have just uh, an abundant amount of days off (laughs) like what I have an abundant amount of days off you know holidays vacation we have extra days added to our PTO time because of just how the district is um we have particular days in which are just our days off you know it's not a necessary it's not a holiday necessarily it's just another day off for teachers and students and it's just a great thing so like I am just going to focus on the good. And though the stress is, you know, always available, like you can always pick at the stress, you can always pick the stress, you can can always find stress. But, uh, and I'm also going to give myself grace because being at this new campus, I'm just still trying to just get my foot in and figure out ways to work smarter and not harder. And 
the reason why I felt so successful and good towards the last the latter half at my previous job was I finally realized how to work smarter and not harder. I finally realized how to really work the system to my favor and I felt more confident in my practice. I felt more confident in myself and that demonstrated. So now that I know that I could do that and I've done it, I could do it again in this current role and I could do it well. So right now, I'm not there yet. I'm not working, I mean, I'm working smart, but I'm still uh, not smart enough, right? Not smart to the way I was doing it before. And that's because I'm at a new campus. I'm still figuring it out as far as just a system and figuring out a, a structure that works best for me, especially considering that I am teaching two different grade levels. So that is it's another experience that is new to me. I've never done that before. So all of that comes into comes into play and I'm gonna figure it out, right? Like I'm gonna figure out <laughs> what to do because I always figure shit out. Now, bringing it back to God, (laughs) I think, you know, again, coming from the background that I've come from, there's this like, you know, there's a savior complex that I have been battling with of feeling like someone's going to save, not just someone, but God's going to save me, right? God's going to save me. You know, if I'm drowning, he's going to save me. You know, if if I can't do it, he's going to save me. God is my savior. And that's, that's literally the, the mindset and the words that I was raised on, you know? So now being 31 and realizing, and I don't want to say this, I feel like it's blasphemous. I feel like I'm going to get strike now, right the fuck now. And I hate to stop saying that. But seriously, I, I, I feel like now that I am 31 and I'm living life, and I'm living life on my own terms and I'm figuring it out and I'm going through experiences and I'm growing and I'm learning and all these things, I'm realizing no one can save me but myself. (laughs) Can we just drop the mic? Nobody can save me but me. Literally nobody. Like some people could help, right? You know, I may have helpers along the way. You know, during the time when I was unemployed, you know, shout out to my parents for just being my rock and supporting me however they could. Like that was an amazing just realization. Like, oh my gosh, you know, God bless them. But, well, not but, but and realizing that it's really me. Like I still have to like, you know, figure it out you know like they can't always you know give me a hand or maybe they could but like the point is like this is my life that's my point you know this is my life and I have to figure out how to figure it out and I think that is the scariest thing ever (laughs) like I feel like I've always felt like I had a cushion And it's not to say that I necessarily don't or I don't know, but I I really just have to figure it out, you know, and knowing that I have to be the one to like I is me like I got to pay bills every day. (laughs) That's just funny. No, but like it's really me, you know, and I think there's this like maybe confidence thing of like, oh, my gosh, what if I can't? You know, I remember when I did have therapy. I haven't seen that therapist in a minute, but he was great. And maybe I'll get back to him whenever I want. But I just like to figure shit out, you know? And maybe that's something with me, too. Like, I, oh, I like to figure shit out. Like, I don't know. Maybe that goes with my impuls- impulsion. Um, but either way, I feel like I just, okay. Like, I don't know. Like, this, I always just felt like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to get saved. Like, he's going to save me. You know, God's going to save me. And, you know, maybe in my experience with God, God doesn't want me to think that way. You know, like maybe in my experience with him, he wants me to realize that I can save myself. And it's not on some egotistical stuff. It's not on some conceited or, you know, I got like, I'm not the type of person who can't receive help. No, if you could help me, help me. If you offer me help, I I receive it with with huge arms. 
um, asking for help is hard for me, though. It's not easy. Like, even with my parents, my mom in particular, she was like, you know, I know you're unemployed right now. If you need anything, just let me know. And I felt like... (laughs) I feel like she kind of did that on purpose. Like, I feel like she wanted me to be like, I need you to help me. <laughs> um, but not on some like shady, I don't think it was like some like evil intent, but nothing like that. But it was just, I think it was a realization for me that, oh my gosh, I struggle with asking for help. And it's just, again, with like this conditioning that I was put in growing up of never showing your struggling right never showing that you don't have it all or that you don't know how to figure it out and even to this day I'm still just like like I'm always trying to put on a good face and I do that for protection of myself I do that for self-preservation like I can't I can't walk around with my head down because that's really only hurting me like I literally have to exude positivity because that makes me feel better you know what I'm saying like and if I'm choosing not to right if I'm choosing to walk around with my head down super negative always complaining that I'm always going to feel like I'm gonna feel that way for the rest for the rest of the day right nothing's gonna change so that's the conundrum that I realized that I've put myself in like okay well (laughs) am I happy or am I mad (laughs) do I need help or do I got it you know, so it's like, okay, do I fake the funk or do I really tell you what it is? Because if I tell you what it is, I'm, I'm going to realize my feelings. I'm going to be so upset. And I'm going to go down the spiral and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. But, you know, again, I feel like God is. And there was a time when I was like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> you told like I felt convicted. I really felt convicted to go ahead and leave that job and step on this leap of, you know, go on this leap of faith and take this step and, you know, I'll be caught, you know, you'll catch me and oh my gosh, you know, once I take this leap of faith, I'll be soaring and I don't think I was soaring. (laughs) Like, I don't think I was flying. I think I was like still skating, you know, metaphorically. I, I feel like... I, I, I don't, these wings that <laughs> I was saying to myself, like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, feel these wings <laughs> when I take this lip of faith. <laughs> I wasn't feeling any wings. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't, I hope to not be discouraging to anyone because uh, I know I was catching up with one of my um, colleagues and he was telling me how he thinks that this is his last year for teaching. Like, this, this may be his last year. And he was asking me, like, you know, how did I go about leaving? And in my head, I'm like, child, don't leave. (laughs) In my head, I wanted to be like, I don't know, right? But I didn't want to come off negative. I didn't want to come off discouraging because my experience may just be my experience. And I, I, you know, I know there are other people who have experience you know, the same trajectory that I have. So I know I'm not the only one who returned to teaching after deciding to leave it and realizing that it didn't really work out. And so they returned it and they're going to figure like, you know, type of thing. So, but you know, whatever. The point is his experience may be like, he may be more successful in landing something else quicker than I did. Right. And, um, so anyway, I was just telling him about, Oh, like my LinkedIn, I did this and I did that. And it's like, nothing's fucking guaranteed. Like nothing means anything, (laughs) you know? Like seriously, like nothing is guaranteed. You know, I remember I was doing so much research. I'm like, okay, I'm going to optimize my LinkedIn because I was watching these TikToks. I don't even have TikTok, but you know how TikTok could be transferred to Instagram Reel? So I came across this girl's TikTok on Instagram and she was talking about how she's this career priestess, which is already, it should have been a red flag, but um, anyway, she was like, 
here's how to get jobs and I'm I help people make six figures and yada 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 and she's like posting all of these success stories and maybe they maybe some of them are success stories right maybe some of them are actually truths but considering just how she came across I don't it's giving scammer energy you know like it's giving I really don't know what the fuck I'm saying I'm just wigging it type of energy and I think because of the topic like almost everyone is trying to find a new job right like almost everyone is trying to level up in some capacity right almost everyone wants to experience just a higher bracket in their financial hemisphere yet you're making yourself more more vulnerable to people who literally feed off of that energy. So you have someone like her called the career priestess who is um, allegedly, let me say add that in case this goes out to anyone. <laughs> allegedly, 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 um, who just be saying shit. I remember one Instagram or one TikTok she posted on her Instagram or on her Twitter too, cause she was active in different platforms. She was like, just lie on your resume. Just lie, just extend the information. If you wanna be a program manager, just create a job that <laughs> that you didn't have, right? And act like you have all of the requirements needed for the position that you're applying to. So basically, say if you're applying to a position at said company, and the said company, you know, with every job listing, it lists the requirements, the responsibilities, of that position, etc. And so what you could do is simply copy and paste the responsibilities for that position, copy and paste it into your resume in this created role that you literally just created for this moment in time. And her reasoning behind that is apparently with the algorithm and the just the AI system when it comes to submitting your resume, um, they look for keywords and if they see that the language that you're using in your resume is the same language from their job listing, you're more likely to receive a response from the recruiter. And maybe that's, you know, look, who knows? Who knows if all that is true? Um, I didn't lie on my resume, <laughs> right? But I definitely optimized, like I revamped my resume. I highlighted my my skills and I made it very, you know, detailed and I used very um, strong vocabulary and key language. So all of that does bring much advantage to you. But I see all that to say, like, it, nothing really guarantees anything, okay? Like, optimizing your LinkedIn did nothing. Like, this whole, like, oh, optimize your LinkedIn. Okay, I did that. And she was trying to say, like, oh, well, you'll get recruiters literally coming after you. Nobody fucking came after me. <laughs> no, like, I'm being dead ass. Like, I don't have any of that experience. Like, not ones that a recruiter come after me, you know? Like, unprovoked is what I mean. Like a recruiter came after me in the sense of after I've applied, you know, and they came across my resume, then that is my exchange and conversation with said recruiter. But to say a recruiter just randomly saw my LinkedIn and reached out to me, no, that has not been an experience of mine. Like what the fuck are you talking about? A recruiter just randomly got in your DMs with a legitimate job? Is this a scam or is it not? It just hasn't been my experience, okay? And when it's never not when it's not my experience, I think of it as a scam. <laughs> but anyway, I still have to say, like, you have all these like, oh, watch this YouTube video, and I, oh my gosh, I will watch so many YouTube videos back to back, and how to nail this interview, and keyword three keywords to guarantee your job right now there's this i think he's russian i think he's german actually this german guy who i ended up subscribing to on youtube because i'm like his content is dope yo i literally took notes like i think it's very it's a learning experience okay so at the very least i learned something 
but he spoke very very harshly <laughs> in his video just like very succinct you know very just strong and just very german it's giving german okay it's giving like it's, it's giving german nazi all of that you know allegedly so uh his videos definitely focus on just different interview tips and three words to guarantee you the job and if you want to know how to like he speaks so fucking loud like why are you screaming why are you screaming into the microphone okay but anyway all that to say like and then you still don't get the job right like (laughs) Like, I don't know, like, at this point in my life and moving forward, I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) Let me not say that. No, I just think, no, seriously, I'm at a point right now, and I think moving forward, and we'll see, you know, go day by day. I'm living more presently now, so that's great. But I'm realizing day by day that if it doesn't fall on my lap, it is what it is like I'm not going to overthink I'm not going to ruminate on said position I'm not gonna hunt you down I'm not gonna optimize anything I'm not gonna optimize my LinkedIn again I'm not gonna change shit around no if it doesn't fall on my lap then it's not supposed to be mine period okay and I'm really dead ass about it because I feel like look I'm fucking dope. Like, like and, I, and I'm just not even trying to be conceited. I'm really not. I'm really, I promise you I'm not. But I really just feel like I'm, like, going through the job application process, it's demoralizing. No, like, it's literally demonic. I really believe, like, the devil is in the process because, my God, you are, my gosh, you know, my fault, God. Um, You are really battling with self-esteem. Like, why don't they want me, man? Like, every time I got rejected, I I kept on thinking about that scene from the French Prince of Bel-Air, the original, where... Will was crying about his biological father who just upped and abandoned him again and Will is left talking to Uncle Phil and he's like why don't he want me man like you know he's crying and he's literally saying those words why don't he want me you know why why doesn't he want me and when I think about it in the context of the job applications, I was feeling the same way. I'm like, why don't they want me, man? <laughs> why the fuck don't they want? Like, what the fuck? You know, after I've gone through interviews, after I've made it to the final round, after I've had, like, and then I want to hear from them, then I'll hear from them, then I want to, then I, it's like, it's demoralizing. Like, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. (laughs) I really wouldn't. So, like, just stay where you are. Don't quit your job. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to sound scary on here. Like, I don't want to make anyone feel discouraged. I really don't. So, like, if you really want to leave your job, go ahead and do it. Do what makes you happy. But ultimately, if you know who you are, if you're someone who is anxious and, you know, doesn't do well without clarity you know when it comes to a plan for just livelihood and all that maybe don't quit your job without the security of another one you know so anyway I really just feel like it's a demoralizing experience and I really am at a point where if it doesn't fall on my lap then it's not supposed to be mine and I really you know I've also seen you know I've witnessed people who have gotten positions just because right niggas could be like oh we're opening this position of director of teacher development and I think of you as the great, you know, the great choice, you know, the great candidate. Just go ahead and apply. I'm gonna put you at the top and it's yours if you want it. Like, I want niggas to say that to me. It's yours if you want it. Literally, that's it. And, and I'm like, okay, I want it, thank you. I don't wanna go through a fucking long ass process. I don't want to be demoralized. I don't wanna be made to feel like I'm not good enough. And uh, I know. It's yours if you want it. That's the experience I want. 
That's it. And that's what I'm claiming moving forward. And you know what? I've actually experienced that before a couple of times. Like, I remember when I was working at a community college where I was the adjunct professor for English. And while I was working that role, you know, being an adjunct, it was just part time. And though it was a cool experience, right, I was only teaching my classes, my courses, and I would go. Like, I, I didn't have to wait. I didn't have to stay in meetings that weren't, you know, supposed, like, that weren't really productive or anything like that. Anyway, um, the director of something, she saw me and she literally just said, hey, you know, I need some help with this project and I would love for you to work on it with me literally just hired me on the spot to work this extra position and the amount of money that I was making as an adjunct professor was definitely below the poverty line right like it wasn't like enough to live off of yet when she offered me this additional position when I tell you I had an extra three thousand literally random amounts of money just dropped into my account just cause and the way that the system is like distribute like it's weird like maybe that's just how college uh, direct deposit is is structured but it was unclear as to like what literally are my hours or like what are my you know uh, like what is the amount that I'm getting paid like I, I didn't know I just knew that I was getting three and sometimes four times more than I was getting paid as my adjunct professor role <laughs> so for her to literally just like see me as a great fit for that role and literally just give me the job I didn't have to necessarily apply for it I didn't have to go through a, a interview process a hiring process no it was my job if I wanted it and I was like okay sure I want it and just a couple of days later when I was seeing this new direct deposit hit I was seeing wait is this four thousand dollars in my account just cuz like is everything okay that was literally just a part of the it was just the weirdest thing and that just happened like it literally just happened if I wanted it so I say that to, I say that to say if it doesn't fall on my lap okay if um if it's not presented me as such it's yours if you want it then it's not mine okay and I'm not gonna go through this demoralizing process anymore I'm gonna sit and be grateful for what I have because I do have a lot I do have a lot there's so much to be grateful for there's so much perk and opportunity and advancement and benefits and just there's a plethora of things for me to be grateful for so I say all that to say if it's not yours <laughs> right or what I mean is it you know if basically if the, if the opportunity doesn't fall in your lap let that be enough you know like I just it just was it was just too much it was too much so I'm grateful nonetheless if you didn't get any of that sentiment throughout this 57 minute rant um let's wrap up and discuss Ye formerly known as Kanye West so his Academy. So in case you don't know, he actually opened his own school called Donda Academy. It's been open for the past four years now. It's pretty recent. It's unaccredited, though. I don't know what is the necessary um, process to to having an accredited school that you just started. So maybe that's just a part of the process. Who knows? But I do realize that like they purposely said unaccredited in the headline. And I think at this point, every platform is doing their darndest to discredit Kanye West at any given opportunity. And look, I get it. I get it. I think with Kanye West or Ye, um, he doesn't articulate himself as well as he could. Now, in that, though, 
there is some messages that he displays and that he presents to us that I totally agree with, right? You know, I agree with his takes regarding abortion. I agree with his takes regarding Black Lives Matter. I agree with his takes regarding even him feeling more um, aligned with Trump's ideology. Um, Like, there's a lot of things I do agree with him on. But I feel like because his messaging is so incoherent at time, like, he doesn't speak eloquently. You know, he rambles around and around and his thoughts just move rapidly. And you have to consider the fact that, you know, he is diagnosed bipolar. He is unmedicated. He says that he does not medicate himself, you know, um, so he goes against doctor's orders. So all of those things are factors and explain his behavior. So I like to look at it with just an ounce of grace at the very least. But uh, I just... I just hate that some of the things that he's saying, the truths that I do agree with, you know, even when it comes to like his his anti-Semitic speech, you know, his anti-Semitic rhetoric. Look, that tweet about going DEFCON auto on Jews, of course, that was poor language, poor choice of words. He should have never said those choice of words, but he's focusing on an experience of his that he's realizing more and more that there are coincidentally more Jewish people in positions of power, you know, more Jewish people in positions of gatekeeping. So, you know, let's talk about that. And he's pointing out that there are black people, particularly in the entertainment industry, who's he's witnessed to be at the at the whim of these Jewish gatekeepers. So let's look at that. Let's, you know, let's look into that some more. And, you know, I understand with the history of the Holocaust and the propaganda against the Jews, any language, any rhetoric around Jewish people, you know, anything Jew, you know, money, banks, nose, <laughs> any of that is harmful because you don't want to create an environment in which we are repeating the past. The Holocaust was horrible. That should not be repeated, of course. Like, that doesn't even need to be said. But I do understand that we live in a time in which sometimes it needs to be said. Because there are people out here who are crazy enough to want to repeat such heinous moment in time in our history. With all that being said, black people are the real Jews. (laughs) I mean, hello? Read the Bible. Go back to the Bible. You know, Uh, just, you know, and the fact that, like, say if if Ye never even said anything about Death Con Auto to Jews, right? And he just said black people are the real Jews. People would have still hit him with the whole anti-Semitic speech. And I just feel like at what point can we realize that there are black Jews and it's not black by association Jews. It's not black Jews by proximity. It's black Jews because Hebrew Israelites. It's black Jews because we were the first. So I, anyway, I just feel like because of the history that we have here in America that continues to condescend and dismiss the power and the elitist energy that we have as black people, you know, we continue to be pushed this downtrodden ass messaging, you know, messaging. Every fucking year there's a slave movie. You know, shout out to Will Smith for his new slave movie coming up. Like, every fucking year there's a slave movie. Every fucking year. 
you know there's always this like massa type of situation there's always this like slave woe is me we don't see enough stories of slave revolts can we get some movies about that because there are definitely examples of that in our history but we don't hear that we don't see that in critically acclaimed movies in hollywood so when I think about the, the media that we watch, the media that we consume each and every day, why is there a particular message that continues to be, you know, just spurred out and this messaging is not uplifting to the black community? So when you have someone like Ye calling that out, and yes, he's not the most articulate, but if we could look past that, and listen to what he's saying. For the most part, he's making sense. But we're being too emotional and too just rash and irrational when discussing him. So anyway, I, you know, I just wish him well. <laughs> um, I do wish him well. I hate that, you know, I remember Charlemagne said recently that Kanye West is acting like someone who is in his last days, like he's going to do something tragic. Let me, let me just say that. And I really don't wish that upon anyone and I hope that he doesn't. And I hate that even Charlemagne even said that. Like, why would you even put that in the stratosphere? You know, why would you even think that he would do something like that? And unfortunately, being that he does have a mental diagnosis, is not to say everyone who has bipolar disorder or any mental diagnosis are more likely to, you know, it is. No, let me take that back. Yeah, it is more likely. If you are battling with a mental illness and you have yet to have a, a system in which you are managing that mental illness properly, you are more likely to do something rash and fatal. You are. But, you know, I just hate that Charlemagne even said that out loud, very cavalier. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I do wish Kanye West well. I would hate to wake up to news of something tragic. <sighs> we'll see how things go. But I just, I just hope that we can move away from being emotional and move into just being open to having more conversations, open to, to different perspectives, okay? And not focus on fucking pronouns. All right, gotta go. Thank you so much for listening, and I will check in with you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.